0: saying today we will, as we prepare ourselves, to go to families, to friends this week with thanksgiving in our mind. I prepared a, a teaching on thanksgiving of testimonies of the elders and how it benefits us here today. As you can see in the bulletin itself, on the front of it, I don't know if too many people pay attention, I don't know, Did do you guys recognize that it has both? pieces. It has the old one that we always used years ago where it had the, uh, the actual inside of what it looked like. And then we have the Disciple Center logo now in what we use today. It's because we continue to grow in our maturity and in our faith. So I made sure to want to point that out. We're going to be in the book of Psalm quite a bit today. If you'll turn there with me in Psalm 26, we'll start there. But as you turn there, I want to reflect and talk about the declaring of thanksgiving and what it looks like. I think we've grown through so much over the past, what is it, 14 years now here at the Disciple Center, and by our behaviors and our actions and obedience to the Lord, I believe many of us can understand what the Scriptures mean because so many of us are taking it seriously and growing through even Thanksgiving offerings. Just like last week, we had one, and we can understand what it means. Yet, yeah, we'll reflect a little bit later on what God truly desires in, in that. And in Psalm 26, 3-7, through seven, it says, Make sure I'm in the right passage. For your loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in your truth. I do not sit with deceitful men, nor will I go with pretenders. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. I shall wash my hands in innocence, and I will go about your altar, O Lord, that I may proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and declare all your wonders. That person that wrote that, David himself is saying that he's not he's it's not of him, but he's not partaking of those evildoers and how he's going to proclaim with thanksgiving and word of mouth what God has done in his life. That's what we do when we give testimonies of thanksgiving. And I'm very grateful that we had many, many testimonies today during that time. Turn a few pages over in Psalm fifty. We're gonna look at the acts that we can provide God through our actions and our behaviors, telling of His gratefulness. And in Psalm fifty fourteen, it says, Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I shall rescue you, and you will honor me. You see, a lot of people just do that whenever they're in trouble. They'll go to the Lord and turn to Him. Yet, we know by our vows we continue to tithe And the church focuses just on the tithing itself. Yet in this congregation, as I said before, we have people that have done Thanksgiving offerings. If you sit back and you take a step back, I know Christy was talking about the small things and focusing on them this week. That's a big deal. Most congregations in the Southern Baptist movement and in other movements, they don't do Thanksgiving offerings. They do potlucks, right? Right? But a lot of people don't do Thanksgiving offerings. But because of our fellowship and our uh, walk with God here at the Disciple Center, we've been able to see what it means. With one family giving a Thanksgiving offering last week, others doing it in the past. What it's like to partake and love one another through those Thanksgiving offerings. Yet, a lot of times it's put down within congregations all around saying, we don't do sacrifices anymore, all we do is tithe. That's still a sacrifice to the Lord. Let me point out, go a few verses down into 23 of chapter 50. It says, He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. And to him who orders his way aright, I shall show the salvation of God. I think if we stop and think about it, there's a hint of what... God will be doing in the coming of the kingdom in the thanksgiving offering. We're sitting together. The kids are running around laughing and playing. We're partaking of a gift from a family. And I heard it last week whenever somebody said, Hey, thanks for doing this. And I heard the family members say, It's not me. God provided for our family over the past year. He's given us an abundance and we're just giving back and you're able to partake with us. What a grateful attitude. We're going to talk about attitudes in a moment because it's with a grateful heart, right? The Lord wants our continued vows and our offerings to come to Him. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6-9, through 9, let's look at that. That's exactly what it talks about. The attitude of the giver. Now, this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything You may have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, He scattered abroad. He gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. You see, the Lord cares about our attitude when we're giving to Him. Think about it. Our attitudes at home, behind closed doors, influence our children and how they actually will perceive the Lord as well. Do we come preparing ourselves today? in a way that is joyous and grateful to the Lord that we can even get here? The Lord cares about our attitude as we provide these thanksgiving offerings with our words, with our sacrifice. That family, I keep referring back to the sacrifice, that family could have took that money and went on a vacation last week. That family could have done something different with that money, but they offered it up to Him. See, He cares about our attitude Our attitude will influence those around us and the children being grown in this church. Take a moment, really quick, as we will move into another portion of this service today. I just wanted to point those things out to you. But God desires obedience and attitude that's worthy of Him. I want you to stop. I want you to think about this for a second. Some of you may choose to close your eyes. But when you reflect back, Did you grow up in church? Was there somebody that was there that was positive in your life? If you think about it, that person, that aunt, that uncle, that mom, that dad was probably grateful to the Lord and not walking around like Scrooge. They were taking time to love on you because God loved on them. How are we coming before the Lord with our Thanksgiving offerings, in our attitude and in our vows and what we do? Yet the one passage that's always brought up within the church is Psalm 51:15 through17. And I will wholeheartedly believe what the church holds to is true. And sufficient for God. But it focuses a little much on this, because I think the attitude of a thanksgiving offering in obedience to Him is also great and soothing to the Lord. Psalm 51, 15-17 says, O Lord, open my lips, that my mouth may declare Your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offerings. The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Again, it's going back. I've said this in many teachings that I've done here at the Disciple Center. God cares about your heart and your attitude towards Him whenever we're doing something. You see, He focuses on the humble. He wants you to come before Him in a humble spirit, a contrite heart. And whenever somebody does something that that is just to be seen by men, to be praised for what they've done, they have a problem with their heart. But if they do it with a humble attitude, with a humble spirit, not taking any praise, that's different. So I don't think God's saying not to do the Thanksgiving offering, not to give Him praise and glory for what He's done in your life. I think what He's saying here is focus on your attitude, your contrite spirit, your humble heart. I want to look at a passage. Whenever we reflect on these throughout the time, the Jewish mindset is to think about, well, what story in the prophets or the Torah go along with this? Well, turn over to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 15. And I already have my Bible marked and tabbed. So, what I want you to do today, as we already talked about the influence of some of those who you've been around growing up, who have encouraged you to walk in this faith of God, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I want you to think about If when you're a parent, so many of us are parents in here, so many of us are aunts and uncles. So everyone in here influences our children. Our children, if they were to come up to us and just tell us, thank you for the candy, thank you, thank you, thank you, but never following in our instruction, would we care? Or would we want them to be obedient? We would want them to follow what we're saying. That's what matters. This passage that we're going to go through in Samuel 15, 1 Samuel 15, think about that as a parent, as an aunt, as an uncle. What matters the most is obedience, right? We'll take that, thank you. We like that. It shows appreciation for what we do. Yet, let's see what happens here. And I see it just as a child with their father. It says... In verse 1 of chapter 15 of 1 Samuel. Then Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you as king over his people over Israel. Now therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Father, mother, aunt, uncle, listen to what I'm telling you. These are the instructions. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he set himself against him on the way while he was coming up from Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and utterly destroy all that he has. Do not spare him, but put to death both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey, specific instructions on what to do. But does the child do what God had commanded him? Or does the child perceive what they want to and do what they want Remember, God and those who went before us strove for obedience in a humble heart. Moving down to <clears throat> verse 7 through 9. It says, So Saul defeated the Amalekites from Hevelah, which God said he was going to do for him. right? As you go to Shur, which is east of Egypt, he captured Agog, the king of the Amalekites, alive, and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agog and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good. And were not willing to destroy them utterly, but everything despised and worthless that they utterly destroyed. So they got rid, right? How many of our children don't want to do, they'll say, well, I I did this for you, Dad, right? He took the best of it all. Our kids only want the best. It's in our mindset. You can see it here in his child, Saul. And in verse 10, it's almost like whenever, as we start to read these passages of Scripture, whenever we have kids that are teenagers, a lot of us don't have teenagers in here. We have young ones. But we're getting there, right? A lot of us are getting to the teenage years if our children make it that far. But... We can only pray once they become teenagers. And they're going out on Friday and Saturday nights. That they're taking the teachings and what we've taught them and applying them to our life. And whenever they don't apply them, we struggle. We stay up later, waiting for them to come home. We wrestle with it. And I see Samuel. He's the one that anointed Saul king. Because God told him, I get that, but you can see his struggle here in verse 10. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I regret I regret that I made Saul king, for he turned back from following me and has not carried out my commands. And Samuel was distressed and cried out to the Lord all night. When our children don't listen, don't follow in our struggles, how many of us stay up late praying to God, asking Him to help you with that? That's what Samuel did. Picking up in verse 13, Samuel came to Saul, right? There's got to be a correction. I'll talk to you in the morning, child. Tonight I'm too frustrated with you. I'll deal with you in the morning. Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have carried out the command of the Lord. That's what. As soon as our child knows that they've done something wrong, what's their first instinct? As soon as we walk in, we may not even know what they've done. I know whenever I was younger, when I felt guilty, mom or dad walked in. Um, just so you know, last night we, um, we went over in this area. I'm going to try to lie to get myself out of it. Samuel's already speaking before, or um, Saul's already speaking. But Samuel said, What then is the bleeding of my sheep in my ears? And a lowing of oxen, which I hear. You see, Samuel's one that followed through on God's instruction. To just, just get rid of them all, the, the sheep, the oxen, everything. But I'm hearing these things. Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But the rest we have utterly destroyed. We got rid of all the bad ones. We kept the good ones. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Mom. Then Samuel said to Saul, Wait, and let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, Speak, Samuel said. <laughs> Saul's like, go ahead, tell me. Tell me what the Lord said. Uh, you might want to watch out. Is it not true, though you were little in your own eyes, you were made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed you king over Israel? And the Lord sent you on a mission and said... In other words, Saul wasn't even thinking highly of himself when the Lord anointed him. But he put him over all the tribes. Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are exterminated. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord, but rushed upon the spoil and did what was evil in the sight? Of the Lord. You didn't follow him. Saul. Saul said to Samuel, Here's your child. Think about it. I did obey the voice of the Lord and went on a mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought back Agog, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took some of the spoil. And Sheep and oxen, the choicest of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. I was just doing it because God, this was a good thing, right? Uh, God wants obedience more than anything. Samuel said, Has the Lord as much delight in burn offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than to the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and the insubordination is an iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, He has also rejected you from being king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I have indeed transgressed the command of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and listened to their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return to me with me that I may worship the Lord. You see this going back and forth, this child, this father or this uh, parent aspect going back and forth between Saul and Samuel? We have to be stern. We have to raise our children up. Yet, obedience is what we're striving for for our children. Just as we also strive for that. And those who have influenced us in our lives... We're being obedient to the Lord with a cheerful heart. So Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And Samuel turned to go. Saul seized the edge of the robe, and it tore. Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today, and has given it to your neighbor who is better than you. Also, the glory of Israel will not lie... Or change his mind. For he is not a man that he should change his mind. Then he said, I have sinned, but please honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel, and go back with me, that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel went back following Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. You see, you can see this parent child aspect going on here. I think this is a story that we can learn from as we parent, as we influence our children, we don't reward them for bad behavior. We give God praise and thanks, and we show mercy to them at times, but we don't reward them. When my dad said that he would give me something if I did the behavior, and I didn't do the behavior, he didn't reward me. I learned that I had to be obedient to the Lord. Those who have went before us have striven or have, strive even today to be obedient to the Lord. And I give praise and honor to Him for that sacrifice because it's not easy to be a deacon. It's not easy to be an elder. There are things in 1 Timothy and in Titus giving us those list of instructions. It's not easy. Those are requirements. Those are things that the congregation are looking at and that you continually have to be in obedience to the Lord on. I thank God for those men, for those women in my life throughout the generations that have influenced me to this point today that I stand here before you sharing what a Thanksgiving offering is, not just by sacrifice, but with the voice, giving testimony that so many have went before me, showing me how to lead and how to um, teach those younger than I. Let's go ahead and turn over to uh, so we have obedience and we have a Thanksgiving offering. And again, it's not bad if you're walking in obedience and it's even um, God says he enjoys it, but at the same time he desires obedience more than sacrifice. Turn over to First Thessalonians. This whole uh, service is based on this and was formed from this passage. First Thessalonians 5:12 through 18 teaches us on what we should do for those who have went before us, who are still around, as we go to be with our families this week. Maybe those who have influenced you in the faith, take some time to show them an appreciation. Picking up in verse 12 of chapter 5, But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you, and have charge over you in the Lord, and give you instruction. So there's an appreciation. And that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. Here comes the obedient part for all of us. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone, so that no one repays another with evil for evil. But always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always, praying without ceasing, in everything give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. As we sit around and we're getting fat with the turkey and the cranberries and the mashed potatoes. Take some time. To thank those who have went before us. For it wasn't easy. We stand here. We sit here today. Influencing the younger ones. I pray that they will take the time. And as they grow up. There's nothing better. Than to see your child walk with the Lord. We'll turn to that passage in a little while. But I want to show you. A passage in Psalm 136 how the rabbis and the church fathers, they parallel each other. And I know that this congregation knows and has seen it quite a bit of times. As far as hearing the scriptures and hearing the liturgical thoughts of the Catholic Church, our brothers and our sisters didn't go far from each other in the first couple decades, the first um, hundred years And in Psalm 136, you can hear those who have went before us. We're going to break this down. I'm going to need your help. In the first nine passages of Psalm 136, I need you guys to do the reply after I read the first part of each verse. And tell me you don't hear our brothers in the Catholic Church, our sisters in the Church saying this. And if you listen to the masses, you can hear they have went before us, but this is from the Jewish sect. This is from those even before Christianity was formed. So help me here as we read through 1 through 9. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For his is Give thanks to the God of gods. For his is Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To Him who alone does great wonders. For his kindness is everlasting. To Him who made the heavens with skill. His is to Him who spread out the earth above the waters. His is to Him who made their great lights. His is the sun to rule by day. The moon and stars to rule by night. For his the story of creation, wasn't it? It's beautiful. Those who have went before us, remind us. They didn't go too far from the scriptures. I am so thankful for Dr. Stokes and what he has taught us here and how he has brought us back to the generations who have went before us. I'm thankful to read these scriptures and go, I can hear the rabbis of early. I can hear David talking this way and what we're doing in here. Now, in these next passages of scripture, I'm going to read 10 through 16 in a different way. But I need you to respond with that same response at the end of 16. Because you will hear the free church in this by me allowing myself to read through those passages. And you're going to hear the story of the Exodus. To him who smote the Egyptians in their firstborn and brought Israel out from their midst with a strong hand and an outstretched arm to him who divided the Red Sea asunder and made Israel pass through the midst of it. But he overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. To him... Um, to him who led his people through the wilderness, right. our church fathers in the Free Will Church, they just took the re- the back and forth responses out, but they would finish and implement that again. I'm thankful for them as well. I'm going to go ahead and read the rest of it, and you guys can follow with that at the end to him who smote great kings and slew mighty kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and gave their land as a heritage, even a heritage to Israel, his servant, who remembered us in our low estate and has rescued us from our adversaries, who gives food to all flesh, give thanks to the God of heaven. what we do here today is not new. Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun, but what we can do is reflect, show appreciation for those who have went before us. For it is in 3 John, and like I said, it's not always just our children. John's going to point this out about Gaius. He wasn't his biological child. But we all have influence. And there's nothing better than to see those who we influence walking in the ways of the Lord. For it says in 3rd John 1 through 6A. I've heard I, I know how to break those down into A and B passages now. The elder to the beloved Gaius whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be good in health, just as your soul prospers. For I was very glad when brethren came and testified to your truth. That is how you are walking in truth. I have no greater joy than this, to hear my children walking in the truth. Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren and especially when they are strangers and they have testified to your love before the church. See, John was hearing about one of those who he brought up in the faith. There's nothing better than to hear that your your brother, your sister in the faith that you helped to bring alongside in the working of the Messiah is continuing that work. To know that it's going to be passed on to the next generation. There's nothing sweeter than to see your son, your daughter, those who you constantly have contact with walking in obedience to the Lord. If they're still alive, take time this week. Call them, thank them for their influence on you as we prepare ourselves for a thanksgiving offering as we continue to walk and evolve as God works on our hearts. Let's go to Him in prayer today.